0: we proclaim that that is true that father there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved other than the name of jesus christ it is he who is the king of kings and the lord of lords it is he alone that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that jesus christ is lord And Father, that is the name that we lift up today, the one that is exalted over all. That is the greatest truth of all time, right there. That Father, no matter what we came in here facing today, no matter what will be confronting us when we leave here today, Christ is over all. You have all authority. You have all power. You have all honor and worthy of all praise and all majesty. Father, I pray right now that we would humble ourselves under that truth. We would humble ourselves under the authority of the Word of God as it is preached. God, I pray against pride in our hearts that would seek to reject it, seek to push it away, and I pray for tenderness. I pray for humility. I pray for a softening in our hearts to receive it and to come under it and to be corrected by it and refreshed by it and rebuked by it, but trained by it in righteousness. Father, I ask for this, God, and I ask for your help. Lord, I can't do this without you. Please guard my mouth against error. Help me to speak from you and be carried by your Holy Spirit. We need you so much, God. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Church, if you agree, in the name of Jesus Christ, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, Merry Christmas, Harvest Ottawa. Pretty exciting day, amen? Come on, give it up for our Savior. Pretty exciting day. Oh, love it when the church family comes together. And every Sunday is an amazing Sunday, but here's the reality something very special that we are proclaiming today uh, the Father sent his Son. That's good news. Everyone say, Good news. That's good news for us this morning. All right, our text this morning is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. And if you do not have a Bible with you, you're gonna want to follow along today. Okay? So please make sure you put your hand up, and our ushers are coming forward right now to put a copy of God's word into your hands. All right? First John chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. And as I stated earlier, the title of this message, the theme for which everything is wrapped around, the reason for which we celebrate Christmas itself is this, the Father has sent His Son. So you look around here, and one of the things I love to do with my family is I like to go around, I look at Christmas lights, and I look at all the different celebrations that are going on around. And, but it begs the question, as I was prepping this week, and it is this. So, hey, question for you, loved ones. What is Christmas all about? Okay, I gave you a spoiler alert. Okay, but seriously, think about this. We can say that. We can, we can say the name Jesus born in a stable. What Really, what is Christmas all about? I mean, why do we actually have it? Do we recognize the magnitude and significance of it? Why do we have Christmas? I mean, some things that you see as you look around in this world is this. Well, we have Christmas because we get to give and receive presents. There's some good-looking presents there. Okay, okay, maybe some of you have some of those under your tree, like I have some of those under mine, but here's the other thing, maybe some of us are like, well, Christmas is all about taking holidays, I finally get to put my feet up, I get to get a few days of holidays, man, alright, and, and we gather around and eat lots of food with, with family and friends, look, they look pretty happy, they look pretty happy, right, right, and so maybe that's us, we get to take some holidays and, what's that word, what's that word, chillax, is that it, yeah, we get to chillax for the next few days, all right. Well, maybe some of us—it's like, well, hey, Christmas is all about we get to decorate with lights. <laughs> look at this picture. Wow. Does your house look like that? Wow. I wonder how long that took them, right? So maybe we get to decorate with lights, or maybe this guy, this guy right here. Oh, 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 didn't look so good. There's a cop right beside him, and uh, that'll get you 230 buck ticket. There you go. But hey, he's in the Christmas spirit, right? Is that what Christmas is about? Is that what it's about? Well, how about this? One thing you don't hear mentioned. And the truth of it is this how about love? How about love? Did that make the list? That's what it's all about. Now, this begs the question okay, if Christmas is truly about love, God's love for us, okay, ask the question what's love? Just go behind the question what is love? We hear about it all the time, right? We live in a world that always seems to be coming up with new ways to express it. But if I were to ask you, church, what love actually is, could you answer it? Could you answer and say, this is what it is? Sweet. Sweet little man, no fair. You got that's my son who said that, and he's been prepped on the sermon. No fair. All right, so here's the reality. All right, so let's get a definition. So I did a little. I did a little research this week on uh, what love is, as defined by the world. Here, here it is in the dictionary: a feeling of wa- a feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection. Okay, now think about. Uh, Remember, test the spirit, test test that. A feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection. Okay, think, think, go behind the statement. So based on this definition that the world gives us, okay, based on what we're seeing, love is a feeling. And therefore, as long as you have this feeling, you can show love. If love's a feeling, then as long as you have the feeling, you can show love to someone else. Okay, question, follow-up question. What happens when you don't have the feeling? What happens in a marriage when you're not feeling it anymore? What what happens in your relationship with your kids when you don't feel it? In your relationship with the people in your church or your coworkers or your neighbors when you're not feeling love? Towards them. And you say, okay, well, why is this even important? Why is this even important? Because it's one thing to get the world's perspective on this, but it's another thing entirely to get God's perspective on this. The reality is this love goes way beyond a feeling. Love goes way beyond a feeling. And the problem is, we live in a world that is obsessed. It is obsessed with the pursuit of love, the love of possessions, the love through relationships, the love through status in society. But it has no idea what true love really is and what it means for our lives. And it's obsessed in the pursuit of it. And as such, people are broken. And they're hurting, they're suffering in their pursuit of it, and they're not experiencing the life-giving and life-changing impact that true love will always have when it is embraced. And why can't we find it through the world? Here's the reality, because it's only found in one place. It's only found in one place, and that is God himself. He is the source it's no wonder people are so lost and feeling hopeless and broken and burned because they're searching for it in all these places that can't, they can't find it. And here John, one of Jesus' disciples, is writing to the church about this very thing of what God's love really is and how it was displayed to us when he sent, that's such a key word for today, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, for us into a world in desperate need for him. And newsflash, there's nothing new under the sun, just as desperate as the world was for Jesus back then, we're just as desperate for him today. And he gives us three crucial truths here we must embrace if we are not just to know what God's love really is, but to experience its life-changing power in and through our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ready? This is Christmas. This is Christmas. To honor the authority of God's word, let's stand as we read it this morning. First John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. God is love. Beloved, Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, the truth is this. God loved us and sent his Son. You must recognize him as the source of love. God loved us and sent his Son. You must recognize him as the source of love. Look at verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is Love. He's the source. John starts off by encouraging the Christians in their call to love one another. Now, okay, we got to get some clarity. Remember how I said we have all these distorted perceptions of love that we can have right off the top today? Here's Here's the term of what God's love means he's talking about here. The Greek word there is agapeo, and it means this, to take pleasure in, to see one as precious as God sees them, And to do what he prefers in showing love to the person through his power and direction. Think about that. To take pleasure in, to see one as precious as God sees them, and to do what he prefers in how you love the person through his power and his direction. Talk about a standard. The love God calls us to is always, here, 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 sum it up. The love God calls us to is always to give and sacrifice on behalf of another and to seek the best for others, even at great cost to oneself. That's Christmas. Even at great cost to oneself, regardless of your feelings in that moment. It's always a God before me, you before me. God before me, you before me. And it is to be a habitual practice in the life of a Christian, filled with God's Spirit. Okay, full stop, full stop. Because we, we just don't need to or want to brush past that. Is this the kind of unconditional love that we see around us that this world promotes? Just look around, just take a look. In the season of love that we are in right now, is this the kind of love the world promotes? To put other people ahead of yourself. To see them as precious, regardless of what they have or haven't done to you or for you. To take pleasure in them. And to do what God prefers in laying your life down to love them sacrificially. Is this what we see? Just take a look, loved ones. Is this what we see? The answer is no. The answer is no. Instead, the world system says, put yourself ahead of others. See yourself as worthy to be served. Instead of serving others, expect them to serve you. Serve others when they serve you or when they can pay you back somehow. What you can get out of that deal. You see, here's the reality. In the world system, love is always conditional. It's always conditional in the world. It's based on your feeling in the moment. It's based on what that person has done to you or for you and whether or not you think they're worthy of an act of love. That's what the world system is based on. But God's system of love, God as the source of love, is always unconditional. It's a you before me, no strings attached. Why do you think you look all around the world? I remember walking down the street one day and and I saw this exchange between two people and one of them was a, a believer and he just goes up to this other guy and he's like, Here, I just want to bless you with this gift card. And the guy's like, What do you want from me? What do you want? He couldn't receive it. He's like, No, 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 but what do I have to do for you? He goes, Can I pay you for it? Can I do that? The guys like, no, love you. Christ loves you. And immediately he's like, What do I have to do to repay it? What's the condition? There's no strings attached with God's unconditional love. And John encourages the believers to love this way because, listen, think about that example I just said. The love that Christians are to have for one another is the greatest mark of distinction they have from the world around them and how people know that they're God's children. Jesus said, you, they will know you by your love for one another. It's the greatest mark of distinction. And why is this? Okay, so why is that then? Because showing true love like this can only come from God. It can only come from God. If you're going to show true love, if you're going to show real love, it can only come from the source of true love, which is God Almighty himself. And so this is why Christians, children of God... Stand out now. Notice this in verse seven, where he says, "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God." What does that term "from God" mean? It means love is from out of God. Or you fl- just love this picture, flowing out of God. God is love; is just flowing out of Him through the lives of His children into the world. I love that picture. Not only this, but John takes it a step further in verse 8. He breaks it down even further. Keep going. Anyone who does not love does not know God because he throws down the gauntlet right here. God is love. God is love, not your feeling, not the present you're going to buy. God is love. And what he means by that, the word is, is so important there because it says it's his very nature. God's nature is love. He's the source and the standard for how we are to love one another. Not what culture says the standard is, or what we think we want the standard to be, or how we feel about that person in the moment. God is the standard because he's the very source of love himself. Real love, know this, know this, write this down. Real love always has its source in God and never changes. True love, you hear about it. Ideas of what true love is. Find true love. Find true love. God is true love. And his standard for it never changes. He is the source. I love how John Piper illustrated this. You'll see it on the screen. Love is from God the way that heat is from fire. Or the way light is from the sun. Love belongs to God's nature. It's woven into what he is. Look at that picture. It's part of what it means to be God. The sun gives light because it is light. And fire gives heat because it is heat. So John's point is that in the new birth, that is born again through Jesus Christ, this aspect of the divine nature becomes part of who you are. The new birth is the imparting to you of divine life. And an indispensable part of that life is love. It is an experience of the divine love and an extension of that love to others. That is beautiful. That is life-changing. That, loved ones, is the reason for Christmas. And this is why John can so confidently go on to say that whoever loves this way is God's child and whoever does not cannot be his child. Why? Because loving another person this way, sacrificially, unconditionally, guess what? It's only possible through the power of God inside a person. You can't do it. You and I can't do that on our own. Our flesh will not do that. It will think of ourselves first. It's only through the power of God living and active inside of a person. Why? Because it's supernatural and it's completely radical to our human nature. If it wasn't, this is the love that would be promoted in the world. It's completely radical to human nature and it's supernatural. To show God's love, we must have God's nature in us. We cannot manufacture this on our own. It is impossible. It is impossible. And you can't, because you and I, even with good intentions, It's not going to cut it. We can't just choose one day and say, I'm going to love my spouse unconditionally, sacrificially, completely today. And my roommates, and and my classmates, and my children. And then I'm going to extend that for the rest of my life. Just try it. I fail miserably all the time on it. And even though non-Christians can display some reflections of God's love because we're all made in his image and he gives common grace. These will always fall short of God's standard if it's not coming from the power of God living in a person because real love, true love, always has its source in God. And if you're not plugged into the source, it's not coming out of you. So question. Stop for a moment. Question. How about you? Do you recognize God as the only source of true love that there is and your need for him in your own life if you're going to receive that and by extension through you to give that to others? If not, let me ask you that follow-up question. It is this. Um, What is the source of your love you're counting on then? If it's not God who is love, who is the source, his nature... Uh, what is your source then? What is it? Some things that came to mind, maybe um, the source that you're counting on towards your spouse in laying your life down for them in loving them faithfully, the source that you're counting on with your children, the source that you're counting on to show love in the people around you. What is your source? Is it? Is it what culture says love is? Do this, do this, feel this, feel this. Is that what your source is? Maybe is the, is the source the source yourself, you're just counting on white-knuckling it, and okay, I'll do better today. Because here's the thing, Think, think behind that. Notice this, what culture said love was even 10 years ago isn't what it says love is today. How you show it. How you give it, what it means. It's not the same as it was 10 years ago. It's changed, it's shifted. You can't rely on that because the source or standards always shifting. What's next? And this is why, loved ones think, this is why so many people are lost, hurting, and broken in the pursuit of love and and fail to give it to others because they are trying to have as the source of their love things that can never fulfill them. Or they're trying to give love to someone from their own self. And it will always fall short. Because there's one source. God himself. And if what this world says love is, is true... Hey, just just ask the question. Look around. If what this world says love is is true, then why? I was so sobered this week in, in sermon prep and looking at these statistics about how hard Christmas is for so many people. Think about this. Why then? Are there more people than ever before feeling isolated, alone, depressed, hopeless, and asking the question, does anyone really love me? Especially at Christmas. Why? If what culture says is supposed to be love, is love. Shouldn't it fulfill you? Does anyone love me? The world's answer is, it depends if you measure up. It depends if you look a certain way. It depends if you've done something for me, and then I can love you. It depends if I'm feeling it today or not. That's the world's answer. You know what God's answer is? The source? The standard? He says, yes, I love you, and I sent my son for you. Yes, I love you unconditionally, and I sent my son for you. There's no string attached there. There is only one source of love, and he doesn't change. He will always fulfill. Notice this, notice this. God will always fulfill and seek your good and the good of others all the time. And some some of you here may say this. I want this. I want this love. And the people that I'm with, my spouse, my children, my coworkers, they need this love through me. How do I have God as the source of love in me? Well, the first thing is you must recognize him as the only true source of true love. And when you realize that, then you can receive him as the gift of love. Look at verses 9 and 10. You must receive him as the gift of love. Verse 9 In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sin. You see, don't let those two verses skip past you. John now states, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the greatest truth in history. God Almighty showed us His love by sending His only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to save us from sin. The word there, manifest, I love that, it manifests in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest. You know what that means? It means to reveal or to be made clear. Okay, become visible. What John's talking about there is called an incarnation, where God became a man, fully God and fully man, by sending his only son, Jesus Christ, who had all kept all the attributes of God, but took on all the attributes of man. He sent his only son into the world to save us from sin. Now, think about how staggering this is for a moment. Let's not let that pass us by, just because we may have heard the Christmas story a few many times. Think about how staggering this is. Okay, pause. God himself, God himself, out of his love for you and I, willingly became a man Willingly became a man and yet at the same time remained fully God. Okay, let's try to get our heads around this a little bit more. The creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe. The one who, look at the picture, see all the stars in the picture? The one who was holding those stars in place the moment he was born became a man. He humbled himself, the life giver, the one who is giving you that breath right now the one who was being held by his mother Mary and at the same time giving her breath to sustain her. Giving the strength to Joseph to hold him by the hand, to teach him how to walk, at the same time not knowing how to walk and needing to learn. This... Is the awesome incarnation. Welcome to Christmas, loved ones. The incarnation was God's ultimate expression of love for humanity. Jesus Christ left perfection, perfection to come, to penetrate earth, to invade earth out of his love for you and me. John 3.16 says it this way. You'll see it on the screen. For God so... Here, what's the driving motivation right here? Loved. Loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him and notice something very specific verse 9 and again we just saw it in John 316 it says this in this the love of god was made manifest among us that god sent his only only son why do they make such an emphasis on only what's the deal there well only in the greek means unique there is no one else like him he stands alone his only son see no one else could have done what he did or could ever take his place when he invaded the world from heaven itself to save us from our sin, that we might live through Him. Now, what does it mean, live? We hear this word "live" all the time. What do we mean, live it up? Like, what are we talking about here? Okay. Well, a Greek word for "live" there in verse nine means to this. Ready, ready, ready. Christmas, Merry Christmas. It means to come alive. To come alive. To be born again, to experience his love and share it. To know the truth that sets you free. To have fellowship with God and to have victory over sin and death. That is real living. To become alive. See, without Jesus Christ, we are spiritually dead because of our sin. And we are slaves to it without any hope. Why? Because it separates us from a God who's perfectly holy. And if we are to receive God's gift of love to us through Jesus Christ, we must realize this. You'll see it on the screen so you can write it down. We have to realize this. Every single one of us has a problem, but it's a problem that not a single one of us can fix, and that problem is sin. I can't fix my sin, only the supernatural power of God can. I can't do anything about this, not by being a good person and hopefully my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds when I stand before God one day. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, what is sin? We have these ideas about sin. Let's just make sure for clarity we're on the same page. Sin is any disobedient act against God's law. What's God's law? God's word. God's word. That's sin, any broad definition, any disobedient act against God's law. One lie, one lustful thought, one prideful action, one stealing of anything. One outburst at your kids. But God loved us and sent his son. Even though without him, We are all guilty before God and deserving of his wrath because of his holiness. And by Christ coming to earth, living a perfect life as fully God and fully man, being crucified on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin, he became, love this, love this, he became the propitiation, verse 10, he became the propitiation for our sins. Now that's a big word. What on earth does propitiation mean? It means this, the satisfaction of God's required penalty for sin. He satisfied the wrath of God that was meant for you and me. Lived a perfect life. Didn't sin once. Didn't sin once. He satisfied the wrath of God for his required penalty for sin. And for all those who repent of their sin and confess him as their Lord and Savior. This is propitiation. This is Christmas. He removes the impurity of your sin. He removes your guilt from you. And, And he doesn't stop there. He turns what was God's wrath towards you. He now turns it into God's favor towards you. And into a reconciled or right relationship with God that your sin is separating you from. Through Jesus Christ alone. We confess him. He's our propitiation. This Christmas, this is why we celebrate You know, if we could if we could celebrate Christmas, we could knock it down to one term. It's this. Someone asks you the question What's Christmas? You say this Jesus in my place. Jesus in my place. That is the glorious truth of the gospel. The power of sin and death destroyed and defeated for all time to set us free. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Love how John Piper goes on to say, I was so rocked by this this week. See it on the screen. Christmas is because God aims to destroy something. It is God's infiltration of rebel planet Earth on a search and destroy mission. He came, searched out, and destroyed the works of Satan, sin and death. He blew him up. Amen? I want to say, that's good news. That's Christmas. That's Christmas. To destroy the works of Satan. So, how about you? How about you? I mean, think about this. One sec, before I expand on that. This is why Christmas is such a big deal. And if you remove Christ out of Christmas, think about this if you remove Christ out of Christmas, what are you celebrating? Just ask the question. If you take Christ out of Christmas, what are you celebrating? This is Christmas. You know, there... There is no reason. You take Christ out of this, there is no reason to put up lights. There's no reason to celebrate with big dinners. There's no reason to give gifts. Why? Because every single one of those gifts is meant to be a picture of the gift God has given us in Jesus Christ. There's no reason. You take Christ out, what do you got left? So have you received Christ God's gift of love to you through Christ Jesus? That's the question. That's the question. That is the question that everything else hangs on. Have you received God's gift of love to you through Christ Jesus? Have you repented of your sin that separates you from him and confessed him as your Lord and Savior? Because, loved ones, here is the truth. This is the question that Christmas confronts us with and demands an answer to. This is the question of Christmas. But see, here's the thing about a gift. You notice this about a gift, loved ones? No one can force it on you. I don't force my wife to take a gift from me. I can't do that. You have to make the choice to receive it. Why? Because a gift is given freely. God's not under compulsion. He's not forcing Himself. He was compelled by His love for you to come, but He's not going to force Himself on you. God did His part and sent His Son, but the receiving part is up to us. And some of you here may say this well, I'm having trouble believing this. Maybe you were just dragged. I'm just dragged here. I actually got tripped. I thought I was going to like Denny's or something right? But here's the reality. Some of you may say, I'm having trouble believing this. God would never forgive me for what I've done. I'm too far gone. I'm too far entrenched in my sin. I've hurt myself and too many people for God to forgive me. I've turned my back on him for so long. And if that's you, if that's you, loved ones, here, here, eyes up here for a sec. If that's you, I'm going to instruct you right now to look back at verse 10. Don't miss what God says in verse 10. Look at this, verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. That changes everything. God did not love us, notice this. God did not love us because of anything that we did or didn't do. It's because he loved you first that he was compelled by love to send his son for you to save you. Hey, hey, hey. God sees the sin. He sees the mess. He sees the hurt. He sees the brokenness. He sees the guilt. He sees the track record. And he sent his son for you because he loves you. You, right there. The one thinking, how could I ever go to God now? Because he sent his son for you. It's not about cleaning yourself up. You can't do that. It's impossible. It's impossible to be holy enough for God to say, now you're worth saving. God sees you and I right in our mess and says, I love you. You are very much worth saving. You're precious to me. You might not be looking for me, but I guarantee I'm looking for you. Romans 5.8 while we were still sinners Christ died for us yes his love is pursuing us and the manger's the proof how radical is this love this gift well here's a snapshot you say okay so this, receive this gift of love what is this gift here's a snapshot of what the gift of Jesus Christ gives to those who trust in him now, now this is by no means exhaustive ready I had five points I want to condense it into five points yeah good luck Right? But we'll stick with five. First one is this we receive the gift of Jesus Christ, gives us salvation and eternal life. John three fifteen says this, that whoever, whoever Not the so-called elite of society. Not called, you're spiritual enough now. Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Through him alone, from death to life. Whoever says, Jesus Christ, I know I am a sinner in need of a savior. And I repent of my sin and confess you as my Lord and savior. He says, yes. I sent my son for you. I love you. Welcome into the joy of your master. Welcome into the joy Whoever believes in him. Now, number two, okay, salvation and eternal life just keeps getting better. Ready? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Hebrews 8:12. For I will be merciful, Christ says, toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sin no more. And it just begs the question, loved ones, I wonder how many of us here came in here this morning living under guilt? Living under shame, living in regret, living in unforgiveness and condemnation. And when the devil reminds you and he says, Hey, 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 really? You think you think God's gonna save you? Remember this? Attaches that button. Remember what you did there? Remember that what you said here? Remember what you committed over here? Remember that fear? You think you, you don't think I got more power than him? Huh? And whenever the devil prompts you like that and says, you did that, here's what, God, here's what Hebrews 8.12 means, the glorious truth of the incarnation. He says, God says, yeah, you did that. <clears throat> he says, but I did that. I did that. And my blood covered anything you think you're doing. In your face, Devil. Salvation and eternal life, the gift of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness, the gift of Jesus Christ. Here it is, number three, peace, peace. Look at John 14, 27. Jesus says this, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. See, no condition. It's not based on how well you do. It's based on who I am. I am peace. My peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. How many of us this morning are here searching for peace? We come in bitter. We hang on to anxiety. We're fearful. We're stressed. We're worried. We're searching for peace through temporal pleasures. And we may even be pretending like we have it all together, but you and the Lord know very clearly that you don't. peace. Salvation and eternal life. The gift of Jesus Christ gives us forgiveness. He gives us peace. Here's number four. Ready? Joy. Joy. John 15, 11, Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you. What? That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Full. You know what the, you know what the, the Greek word for full means? It means full. It means like totally filled up like How many people, you walk down the street at Christmas and we hear these things about joy and peace and we're like, yeah, Merry Christmas. Jesus is like, I came that your joy may be full. Even in that trial, in that sickness, in that dark place, when you feel weak, when you feel pressed, when you feel those, that anxiety start to creep in again, and you feel that fear start to overwhelm you, he says, in that moment, I am your savior, and I will give you joy. Not to ignore the problem, be like, yeah, everything's totally cool, woo-hoo, meanwhile, woo-hoo. my life's falling apart. He says, you can see it, you can go through it, but the joy of the Lord will be your strength. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. And it will be full and a joy that replaces anger and bitterness and fear and resentment. Lastly is this. The gift of Jesus Christ gives us salvation, eternal life, forgiveness, peace, joy. Here it is. Here it is. Hope. Hope. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. See? In believing. In trusting in Jesus Christ Christ. Believing in him so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Full joy, abounding in hope, peace, forgiven, saved, and eternity with him. Question, what's your hope in today? What's your hope in today? Is it in things that can be trusted? Is it in things that are going to last? Not just in your life, but into eternity. What's your hope in today? I mean, look at the news. Turn on the news this week for a few minutes. It doesn't take more than a few minutes to see. We live in a world desperately searching for hope, and Jesus Christ says, "It's right here." And it's started for us in the manger. It's right here: The hope of the world. Have you received this gift? God loved us and sent his son. You must recognize him as the source of love. And from their church, you must receive him as the gift of love. And when you have received him, lastly is this, you must respond through him, through him, in the display of love. Let's look at verses 11 and 12. Beloved, notice the tenderness in John's voice there. He loves the church. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. John now finishes by giving the result of one who has received the gift of Jesus Christ and had their life transformed by him. They cannot help, I love this, they cannot help but love others the way Christ has loved them by laying their lives down for them. Will they do this perfectly all the time? No, but notice that word perfected. It's being perfected. You know what perfected means? It means to Christ will continue to add what is lacking until it's brought to completion. It's brought to completion. And when is it brought to completion? As we are changed more and more into the image of Christ, which will have its full completion when he calls us home, and we will see him face to face. That day is coming for every single person in this room right now. You and I will see Jesus Christ face to face. And at that point, we're out of excuses. But at that point if we have been born again and confessed him as our Lord and Savior, he brings his perfecting love to completion in us. In us. And this experience of God's love ought to motivate Christians to love others. Christ's power in them is always moving them towards this, like father, like son. Like father, like son. It's like, this is what I'm outworking in you. I'm the source. I live in you and I'm changing you to reflect this. And although God has never been seen in all his glory and radiance, by the way, you know it says no one's ever seen God. You know why? Because God is perfectly holy. He is perfection. He's a consuming fire because of his holiness. And if we were to lay eyes on his face and see him as for his full glory and radiance, we'd be incinerated. He says no one's ever seen God. But look at this. This is how the world sees God's love on display through the lives of his people. Through the lives of his people as he is at work and changing us to reflect him this is why this is why loved ones hey be encouraged this is why christmas isn't just one day a year the pursuit of perfection is ongoing it's not just a year there is no january christmas blues in god's kingdom he's like are you kidding i gave you my son don't leave it on a day my perfecting work is still going and you are my chosen instruments to display my love to this world that is in desperate need for it. Christmas should be an everyday reality in the lives of his children. Every day. Perfection doesn't stop till we see him. And I love this, as you sum that up, as we close out. What began at the manger, what began at the manger will be completed when we see the master. What began at the manger. Will be completed when we see the Master. Last question of the day. How will you respond to this, loved ones? If you're here and have never repented of your sin and trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, hey, 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 loved ones up here, his invitation to you is this. Ready? Come as you are. Come as you are. Right there right in the middle of where you're at. Don't try to clean yourself up. Come as you are. He loved you and sent his son. And if you're here and have confessed Christ as your personal savior, are you recognizing him as the source of love? Are you thanking him that he has become your greatest gift of love? Is that an everyday reality for you? Thanking him for his gift of love for you. And are you responding through him in his power, in the display of love, in laying your life down for others? Hey, who needs his love displayed through you today? Who needs it? Because here's the truth God loved us and sent his son. And he's looking for you. Let's pray. Father, that is a staggering, radical, life-altering, life-changing truth. God, even to go through it again, just now. Lord, the fact that you loved me and sent your son for me when I didn't want you, I wasn't looking for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now for that person who is confronted with this truth, maybe for the first time or maybe again, but has walked away from you. I pray right now they would know the love of a savior that penetrated this world, not because we cleaned ourselves up or loved him so much, but because you loved us first. And that we would respond to you and say, Jesus, here I am. Here's my mess. Here's my brokenness. Here's my unforgiveness. Here's my grief. Here's my bitterness. Here's my resentment. Here's my regret. Here's my pain. Here's my fear my anxiety. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. You can have it all. I want the gift of love of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray right now in this place that your spirit would be at work and for those of us who, who have made that confession already, Lord, would this be an everyday reality in our hearts. Christmas every day. The perfecting love of Jesus continually moving us in power from the source of love himself to lay down our lives sacrificially for one another here in the church and beyond these walls. This is the glorious truth of the incarnation. No greater love. No, not one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.